Welcome to the Sense Making in a Changing World podcast, where we explore the kind of thinking we need to navigate a positive way forward. I'm your host, Maura Gamble, permaculture educator and global ambassador, filmmaker, eco-villager, food forester, mother, practivist, and all-round lover of thinking, communicating, and acting regeneratively. For a long time, it's been clear to me that to shift trajectory to a thriving one-planet way of life, we first need to shift our thinking. The way we perceive ourselves in relation to nature, self, and community is the core. So this is true now more than ever, and even the way change is changing is changing. Unprecedented changes are happening all around us at a rapid pace. So how do we make sense of this? To know which way to turn, to know what action to focus on, so our efforts are worthwhile and nourishing and are working towards resilience, regeneration and reconnection. What better way to make sense than to join together with others in open, generative conversation? In this podcast, I'll share conversations with my friends and colleagues, people who inspire and challenge me in their ways of thinking, connecting and acting. These wonderful people are thinkers, doers, activists, scholars, writers, leaders, farmers, educators, people whose work informs permaculture and spark the imagination of of what a post-COVID, climate-resilient, socially just future could look like. Their ideas and projects help us to make sense in this changing world, to compost and digest the ideas, and to nurture the fertile ground for new ideas, connections and actions. Together we'll open up conversations in the world of permaculture design, regenerative thinking, community action, earth repair, eco-literacy and much more. I can't wait to share these conversations with you. Over the last three decades of personally making sense of the multiple crises we face, I always return to the practical and positive world of permaculture with its ethics of earth care, people care and fair share. I've seen firsthand how adaptable and responsive it can be in all contexts, from urban to rural, from refugee camps to suburbs. It helps people make sense of what's happening around them and to learn accessible design tools to shape their habitat positively and to contribute to cultural and ecological regeneration. This is why I've created the Permaculture Educators Program, to help thousands of people to become permaculture teachers everywhere through an interactive online dual certificate of permaculture design and teaching. We sponsor global perma-youth programs, women's self-help groups in the global south, and teens in refugee camps. So anyway, this podcast is sponsored by the Permaculture Education Institute and our Permaculture Educators Program. If you'd like to find more about permaculture, I've created a four-part permaculture video series to explain what permaculture is, and and also how you can make it your livelihood as well as your way of life. We'd love to invite you to join our wonderfully inspiring, friendly and supportive global learning community. So I welcome you to share each of these conversations, and I'd also like to suggest you create a local conversation circle to explore the ideas shared in each show and discuss together how this makes sense in your local community and environment. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I meet and speak with you today, the Gubby Gubby people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live off grid? Well, it's my delight to invite you to join my conversation today on Sense Making in a Changing World with Tao Wimbush, founder of the Lamas Eco Village in Pembrokeshire, West Wales. This is the UK's first one-planet eco-village, featured in fact on Kenneth MacLeod's Grand Designs. Lummus is an off-grid permaculture village with grass-roofed homes. It's based on 150 acres of land or thereabouts, 
With 50 adults and numerous children, it's an amazing example of how to live lightly on the planet and also a fabulous place of learning. Tao and I talk about the ideas behind One Planet Development and how this village works and why people come there. He's the author of Birth of a Nika Village and he presented an internet TV series called Living in the Future. His background is in architecture and carpentry and he's lived in a wide range of alternative communities, dwelled in teepees and yurts and roundhouses. But we also have a chance during this conversation to tour the house that he's crafted. It's beautiful. For only around £20,000, he says you can set up this kind of land-based living with your house and your land in places like West Wales using One Planet Development. So he helps people do this kind of shift, transitioning to a a land-based way of living through education and consulting, and he's an expert in One Planet Development. I recorded this conversation when I was in Wales last year, and I'll release an extended version with tours of the landscape and the common spaces too on my YouTube channel at a later date. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this introduction to the Lama Sika village and what One Planet Living is all about. Hi, I'm Maureen Gamble from our Permaculture Life and the Permaculture Education Institute. And I apologise for my voice. It seems to have disappeared somewhere in England, but um, I'm in Wales today and I'm here at the Lamas Eco Village with Tao. And Tao, um, what's your surname again? Tao Wimbush. Tao Wimbush, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Tao Wimbush um, has been here for, for 10 years yeah. at, at this Eco Village and it's a pioneering Eco Village in many different ways. And so I'm really delighted to be here today with you to, to hear more about how this place got started and what it is and also how it's been so influential in changing public policy around how eco-villages can, can form here in Wales. Okay. Okay, so uh, Lamas, the Lamas eco-village started from a grassroots movement, uh, putting pressure on local government to create a policy to enable people to move back to the land. And we began with nine families. And in doing that, that was about the same time that we persuaded the government to scale up the One Planet Development Policy so that it covered the whole of Wales. Could you just say a little bit about what the One Planet Development Policy is? Hmm. Um, the One Planet Development Policy is radical in the UK because it enables people to live in the countryside. The, the UK planning system is based around the Town and Country Planning Act. And there's a philosophy that says people will live in the towns and the countryside shall be reserved for industrial agriculture. Yes. And so the, what the One Planet Development Policy does is it says, oh, no, 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 it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. There's a place for people in the countryside so long as they're living sustainably, building with natural materials and continuing to be productive with the land. Those are the three principles. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we're kind of part of that movement. Yeah. And since the original nine families came here, we've been joined by a whole load of peripheral families mm-hmm. and, and plots. Um, and the One Planet Development policy across Wales has really scaled up. So, you know, there are dozens and dozens of us now. It's quite radical. Actually, mm. isn't that what you're doing here? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think... and. You know, we we could do well with having something like this in Australia as well because we have the same, it's called the urban footprint. Mm. Beyond that urban footprint, there's 
that's grind. Mm. Nothing else can happen as well except mm. for industrial agriculture. And, mm. Or if, if you happen to be a developer and have bought up the land mm. 20, 30 years ago and you might be able to spoil out a suburb but mm. not doesn't have the sustainability um, kind of agenda on that type of development. So I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it came about, I mean, in the UK, it came about after the Second World War mm. and under a completely different set of parameters at that time. The UK wanted to preserve its agricultural ability, yeah. and that was a time of plentiful and cheap fossil fuels. Um, and so it kind of, you know, it, it made sense. Let's put the people where we can service them easily. Yeah. We can pipe in the food and the water and pipe out the waste, yeah. you know. But it's a different age now. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a different age and a different time. And, yeah, the, this this kind of concentrating people... Um, in towns and cities brings with it a whole load of problems. It does. You know. But I think also the other side of it is that there isn't an, an imagination of what is other to that mm. until something like this. Yeah. Because the other image of what development is is sprawl. Yeah. And we don't want that, so we yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. And so the an imagination to think up something completely different yeah. that can fit with maintaining the beautiful natural landscape, enhancing it, mm. actually creating more forest space, creating more productive space and creating greater levels of well-being. This makes sense in all those ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, in, here in Wales, it particularly excels in these upland areas. Yeah. We've got a lot of upland. Mm. I mean, here we're 180 metres above sea level, right, yeah. um, land that would be traditionally used only for grazing for sheep, okay. yeah, which is, as you know, a very inefficient way of growing food. Yeah. Um, and it's not very suited to large machines. Yeah. And so, you know, we come in, we bring in permaculture design and we can rearrange the landscape yeah. so that, you know, instead of being one part of a farmer's income, mm -hmm. you know, lamb being the cash crop, yeah. um, we produce a whole range of stuff. You know, we meet all, so many of yeah. yeah. So let's just just um, tease that out a bit. So you're talking about permaculture design. So is permaculture underpinning this village? Do you see it as a permaculture village? I, I do see it as yeah. a permaculture yeah. village, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, my approach to permaculture is, you know, kind of, it's not so rational Anyway, you know, my training as such was at Teepee Valley. Yeah. Um, and so I'm coming come from a roots perspective yeah. and a kind of practical perspective yeah. about, you know, the human relationship with the land yeah. base and with each other and, yeah. and, and with the world around us. Yeah. 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 And, you know, what you've got. So what you've got here then is how many people and how many house lots and how much land are we working with here as we are we are now about 120, 150 acres. Right. We're now approximately fifteen households. Yeah. Uh, probably fifty adults plus okay. kids. Yeah. Um, I don't like to be too firm about the red lines okay. because That's interesting, because yeah. it, you know in many ways we've kind of we are merging with local communities. Yes. You know, there are people who come and rent houses yeah. locally, so they can come and be community. exactly exactly. That's yeah. fantastic. So in terms of any kind of um, overall agreements about what you do together that defines that then, what defines your community, what would you think are some of the, maybe it's about the way you work together or 
is it about the kind of way that you live in the in the land or I, I would say what defines our community is that pioneering spirit that desire to explore what it is yeah. to live in harmony with the natural world yeah. and the kind of space to to do that yeah. and and the, the freedom to do that so that it can manifest in in different ways yeah so it's a little bit like we were talking earlier about it's not about dropping out it's actually dropping right in to explore different things and to, to, as you say, emerge a new story about what it means to live well. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I mean, I've been quite privileged. I've lived in alternative communities a long time, mm. and I've seen a lot of families drop out yeah. and then drop in, and yeah, that and right. that is a kind of process in yeah, itself yeah, that, in that, that takes people yeah. time. Yeah, you know, because you kind of like kind of got to unwind yeah, and, and re-educate yourself yeah. and, and create a space so that you can tune in mm. and and drop in yeah 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 Yeah, that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's kind of it's not an either or it's, a, it's an and isn't it it is i don't know and people are motivated by different things some people move to this lifestyle to drop out yeah and some people move to this lifestyle to drop in yeah. to something. Yeah. But that that process, I think, is a process that needs kind of respecting and, and honouring mm. and and recognising mm. as something that, you know, takes quite a lot of time, yeah. you know, many years yeah. for most people. And, uh, you know, and is a kind of, is a thing in itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a rewiring. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. So, um on a very sort of practical level, how do you make decisions together? Do you, or are you more independent in your own plots? Like what sort of level of community decision-making or interaction or economy? Like some places you've lived have been more communal, others sort of more independent. Where do you sit here in Lamas? How does that work? I think on different levels it works in different ways. You know, in essence... We are fairly close to the conventional model of you have your plot, your 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 territory, yeah. and within that territory you're autonomous. Yeah. And the and the degree to which you interact with your community and the way in which you interact with your community is up to you. Yeah. You know, there there are formal structures that you can get involved with and there are informal arrangements which you can get involved with and people can can define their interaction in their own way some people approach it from a free economy perspective some people have quite formal um trade exchanges um some uh, some of the management is quite formalised. For example, the hydroelectric system needs quite a clear structure for, for yeah. its management, whereas other things are much more intuitive and fluid. Yeah. For example, the, the celebration and, yeah. and the music and the cultural expression. Yeah. So there's two things that just popped out of me, which is a bit wasting more, but two things I want to pick up on. One was the hydroelectric and one was a question about the commons here. So maybe let's start with the hydroelectric. So in a practical sense, you have a shared hydroelectric system. Yeah. So uh, on a practical sense, some of us have a shared okay, right. So yeah. So there is a hydroelectric system that serves the original nine Tiragabal plots. Yeah. Um, and that's a kind of micro-medium scale hydro. 
today it's running at 15 kilowatts right. and okay. then that's shared out amongst the households yeah. but that that does go up to 25 kilowatts right. when there's a lot of water and is that enough for your household needs it is enough because we we kind of work backwards oh, okay, right. so, <laughs> yeah yeah so you know yeah it's it's plenty yeah uh, you know, from my perspective we've got washing machine fridge freezer teenagers laptops stereos power tools yeah. etc yeah still building yeah, yeah. Too, yeah and hydro by its very nature is kind of dependent on the water flows in the landscape mm-hmm. and so most of us supplement that with solar right okay. you know? yeah. so that when there's periods of drought yeah. you know we've got I can imagine something. drought yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. drought we had a drought last no night. way seriously yeah yeah climate <laughs> Actually, change yeah 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 really? yeah, yeah we when had something last, like what's the sort of is it drought something that people even i wouldn't have thought there'd be a word for drought in welsh Maybe there's not. I'm not sure there is in Welsh. No, no. We had 10 weeks of hot, dry weather, which for Wales is absolutely unheard of. It's coming for us, but not for here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I hear that you kind of get... I've been watching little little rainwater butts on the edges of houses thinking, what's the point of that? You know, (laughs) I little thing. We've got 50,000 litres of water stored off a side of our buildings because we need to build in that resilience for a long time of drought. So now you're starting to say... You're yeah. experiencing this here. Yeah, I mean, we approach water management in a kind of slightly different mm-hmm. way. I mean, we have to we have to design the landscape to be able to cope with deluge. Yes, of course. Is, is one yeah. of the things we yeah. have to be able to cope with a lot yeah. of water in very short. What's your rainfall? On average, one point six meters a year. That's about the same as ours, I think. But yeah. it can it, that can vary quite a lot. Yeah. I would say that could go up to two point four, drop to one point two. Yeah, okay. but the, you know there are periods where it's just like. Buck, buck yeah, right. so we have to kind of manage for that yeah. eventuality yeah. and then we also have to manage for, for, the, for the dry periods yeah. and if you've got polytunnels and greenhouses mm. and, and things like that yeah. so so it's a kind of combination of kind of getting it to flow through the landscape yeah. quickly yeah and storing Being able it to in slow it store it when you need yeah. to so how do you do that do you have like little stop gaps where you when you want to store it you can actually Slow it down a bit. Like I remember in Ladakh, up in the Himalayas, they would have like little sections where they would sock it with, you know, old bits of cloth and mud, and mm. actually stop the water from moving. And then when they want to flow, they would open up and let it flow. Mm. Would you have that kind of thing, uh, or is it just more? here? It's more ponds. Okay, right. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll show you our rainwater yeah. harvesting pond. Yeah. You know, we, we capture it in ponds, yeah. um, and then we can use those ponds for other things: biomass yeah. harvest, food yeah, crops, okay. etc. Yeah. Um, and then we position them. Uh, intelligently in the landscape yeah. so we can then use that one to direct to our food producing yes. yeah. yeah and so what about for your household use what do you use for water so for drinking water we share a spring oh, uh, which is oh, up in the valley oh. which is fantastic yeah. um yeah and, and that provides our kind of domestic yeah. needs for our livestock needs and for our, our horticultural needs that's all rainwater yeah. harvest yeah, yeah, brilliant. So the last question before maybe we go for a bit of a walk about was about your commons. Mm. So you have your individual plots, but are there spaces where you have a common building, a common land, and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. We've got a community centre. We share trackways. 
We share um, footpaths, networks. We share a village green. We share bits of woodland. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There, there so how does that work you, when you buy in? Some money goes towards the community uh, infrastructure management development. Kind of, right. yeah. Yeah, some of that initial money mm. goes towards the, the commons. Yeah. Uh, with our community centre, mm. we were blessed to get a grant from oh, the no. UK government. Gosh. Um, and so that's been a, mm. been a total blessing. What happens that. in the community centre? Uh, all sorts, all sorts of things. Um, we have kind of socials, which mm. can be kind of um, pubs, yeah. uh, uh Music events, um, there's a choir, regular choir nice. there, uh, there's a Christian group that mm. kind of meets, um, then there's meetings, it's also a venue for courses, mm. Willowcraft, yeah. uh, One Planet Living, yeah. uh, we do family camps, right. there's a um, certified kitchen in there so we can value add yeah. to our produce, right. um, and then there's also a little whole food shop. So, nice. you know, a whole, a so whole the shops open things. all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, how so. does that work? I would love to. I would love Crystal Waters to have a shop open all the time. But even with 250 people, it doesn't seem like there's enough to keep it going to have someone in the shop all the time. Yeah, there's no nobody mans it. Self service. Oh, oh well, that's brilliant. Yeah, there you go. You go, you go in. Need to do. This is what you're buying, and then you write down in the book. You put the money in. Yeah, so it's just the whole foods, yeah. bulk foods that you order in yeah. together. Yeah. So you put in. You know what you all want. You yeah. right here. Yeah. All right, I'm going to start one of those when I get home. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. That I think maybe we might sort of, um, if if it's possible, just to go for a wander through and sure. see what the houses and the commons and the sure. various, particularly also the food systems that you've got going. Sure. Great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Cool. Cool. So we're now inside. Dow and Hoppy's house. Yeah. And this is, uh, you obviously only built this house, natural building. Yeah. Um, tell us about what's going on. It's a beautiful house. So uh, very simple construction, stud wall construction. Yeah. Uh, sheep's wool insulation. Oh. Uh, you know, we built it. It cost us £14,000 to build. Oh, fantastic. Um, it's got three bedrooms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it really works for yeah. us. It's very, very simple. So let's see. go back to the price of things because this is something that's a really big issue for a lot of young people mm. around the world now about just housing affordability. Mm. Um, homelessness of young people is just going through the roof. Mm. And even homelessness of, I want to say, in Australia, it's, I mean, like the, the women over 55, mm. growing level of homelessness because mm. of the a lack of affordability housing. Mm. So you're saying this is £14,000 to build this. Mm. Really beautiful home, mm. and it's not a small home. It's it's lovely. Uh, and it's ninety square meters. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then space. and then also the the price of the land for about an acre here. You're saying is how much in the Welsh Uh I would say averaging between six and seven thousand pounds an acre yeah. for land in Wales. So your house and your land yeah. in Upland Wales, yeah. you're looking at about twenty thousand pounds. Yeah, I mean. Th- Generally, if someone's going to do a one planet development, yeah. I would I encourage people to have thirty thousand pounds behind them yeah, to right. start. Yeah, uh, bearing in mind that you need to buy really three acres minimum. Yeah, um, yeah for for the agriculture. And... Yeah, in order to have enough land so that you can be productive. Yeah. have a bit of income from it, grow some yeah. fuel, etc. Yeah, okay. Um, and then bearing in mind you can borrow on top of that. Yeah, right. You can borrow against your land. Mm. Um, 
We've spent 75000 right. on our seven-acre plot yeah. over 10 years. Yeah. I'm putting in all the infrastructure, which is a lot yeah. of money. It's a lot of money, but it's still affordable in the concept of, if you think about a standard house and a little piece of land mm. in suburban Australia, mm. people are spending four or $500,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the average house price of a house in the UK is now something like two hundred and thirty thousand pounds. Yeah, that's about you the know. same as Australia. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So contextually, it's yeah. affordable, and it's still you need some money behind. Yeah. It, you know. So the access to land, there's there's lots of land that is available. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Lots of land across Wales. Yeah. 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 More and more becoming available, um, especially with the. Brexit stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which we don't need to go into. Oh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> but, but, yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, because I've heard, I mean, looking at different models for how we house ourselves is a really interesting thing. I, mean, I think it was in um, in Italy or Spain, I wish I could remember now, the saying that the government was actually paying young people to go and live in and restore village homes, you know, out, out in the rural areas as a, as a way to one house people, restore, um, you know, rural areas and mm. bring back economy, you know, mm. economic vi- vitality into those areas. So mm. there's so many different ways of doing it. It's really yeah, yeah. exciting, I think. Yeah, I mean, under the One Planet initiative, you could live in a caravan, you could live in a yurt, you could yeah, live right. in a teepee, you can live in a cabin, yeah. you could live in a cob house, you can live underground. You know, right. it's kind of like you've, you've got that freedom. Yeah, yeah, that, great. And, it, and in a way, that's the carrot. You can build your dream house yeah. Yeah. so long as you're living sustainably, being yeah. productive and building naturally which is really quite interesting because i think you know in a lot of other parts it it seems like there's so many restrictions on what you build and how you live Mm. you know in terms of the housing stock it has to be Mm. you know a certain type or Mm. the heritage restrictions whereas here Mm. you're saying as long as it's yeah i mean you still have to meet the the building codes building regulations um you know so if you're building a a house rather than a caravan or a tent you know it's got to have fire safety features you know, it's, it's, it's got to be robust, yeah. you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so what are, the, what are the features that you've built into this house that you think are really interesting that you've done <laughs> differently? I mean, I've noticed outside there's sort of a, there's a sod roof outside. And yeah. Talked about, you know, wool insulation. Is that a common thing here? Because um, wool. It's fairly common. So yeah, I've yeah. noticed that you've got lots of wool producers yeah, <laughs> around yeah. the hillsides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the main thing about this house is that it was built to be quick. Yeah, you know, okay. we were in a situation. We had young kids. Yeah, uh, we were living in caravans. We needed to put up accommodation very quickly. Yeah. So simple stud walls. Yeah, bosh, bosh, bosh. Simple house shape. Yeah, uh, you know, get yourself into into temporary accommodation. You know, this is beautiful. Quickly and, and effectively. Yeah. Um. So mm. that then. You can kind of move on to the land and and, yeah. and, and carry on and, and have some fun. And and what do you, where did you get the timber from and all that sort of? So most of the timber is either from a local woodland or from our own woodland. Yeah, great. Um, mostly we milled it ourselves, so yeah. we get mobile sawmill in and, and mill it ourselves. Yeah. The the, it's, the finish is plaster and lath. What's very simple. Like thin strips of wood, right? Like yep. Off cuts, yep. milled into thin strips yep. and then plastered over. Yeah, great. Um, it's deliberately built off the ground. When we go outside, you'll see okay. it's on, on kind of on plinths, yeah. so that no matter what, it's always dry in here. Which is oh, that's interesting. In Wales. Because we we have them, we have buildings up off the ground in Queensland, 
because we want the air to come under and cool our buildings. Okay. So you've got them up to stop the damp because you were yeah, saying yeah. there's so much water here. Yeah, yeah. So how do you keep it warm as well as dry? So we've got, the, there's a range behind us which we can cook on and yeah. there's also wood burners. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, also yeah. we dump some of the electrical excess from the hydro yeah. as space heating. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's a beautiful space. Yeah. And so here is the lounge room, dining room, yeah. kitchen, upstairs. You've got one of our bedrooms upstairs. One bedroom. And then other bedrooms through there. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. And so you handcrafted all these archways and. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is just kind of, lovely. you know, cheap, cheap brown wood. Um, yeah. You know, just, yeah, use what you can. I mean, this has no commercial value. So, no. But isn't that, isn't, isn't that amazing? Something that has no commercial value actually looks like it is so much more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah, a yeah. shift, isn't it, yeah, yeah. thinking about yeah, yeah. resources. And the yeah. same with, you know, like this beautiful – for me, this is a gorgeous archway here. So you probably just – did you pick something you thought, oh, that's really nice yeah. shape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just a, a few roundwood features, yeah. you know, just some natural wood. You yeah. know, we are, we are, you know, natural animals in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. It kind of makes you feel more, I don't know, comfortable yeah. in spaces that have natural form and natural shape, doesn't yeah. it? And you don't feel so yeah. – no, you just yeah. you feel at ease. Maybe we come from the forest. Maybe it's something maybe, deep, maybe. deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, sorry, I'm just going to show you washing. I hope you don't mind. But yeah, this is um the washing line, the ladder. There we go. So as the heat rises, it um, dries the washing. Everything's stacked. It's a beautiful permaculture design here in your house. That's good, great. Good. Thank you so much. All right, we'll head on outside now. So that's all for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Head on over to my YouTube channel, the link's below, and then you'll be able to watch this conversation, but also make sure that you subscribe because that way you'll be notified of all new films that come out and also the release of the extended tour of Lamas Eco Village, where we go into the landscape and the common spaces too. And also you'll get notified of all the new all the new interviews and conversations that come out. So thanks again for joining us. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.